Hello, kia ora, and welcome to In Pursuit of Purpose with me, your host, Tim Jones, the Grow Good Guy. Hey, kia ora, and welcome to uh, the latest episode of In Pursuit of Purpose with me, your host, Tim Jones, the Grow Good Guy. And in this week's episode, I chat with Emily Mason, who runs um, a couple of organisations based in Wellington, in Aotearoa, New Zealand. So she runs Impact Lab and Frank Advice. And in this conversation, we're really unpacking a little bit about, um, I guess, the large number of charities that New Zealand has and how they can be better equipped to make more impact, or as Emily so succinctly said, do good better. And we also have a bit of a chat around the role of business versus charity and and maybe who plays what role in, in creating a future society that works for more people in a better way. So to literally do good better. So yeah, sit back, relax, get yourself a cup of tea, get your gin and tonic, get your whiskey, whatever your favorite tipple is, um, put your feet up and have a chat, have a listen to this chat with uh, Emily Mason. I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. Hello, uh, kia ora. So with me today, I have Emily Mason. So um, welcome, Emily. Thanks. Excellent. Um, and you are based in lovely Wellington. Um I am, which is a nice place. Wellington. It's um for those of you listening outside of New Zealand, Wellington is, I guess, well, it's our capital, but it isn't our capital. We're, we're like Australia, aren't we? We we have a a bigger city that would like to be the capital and a smaller city that is the capital, just to confuse everyone. I like it. Oh, there we go. It's <clears throat> small, small and bijou. Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. Right. And um, so, tell um, tell me a little bit about what is it you're up to? Because we've connected pretty recently. It was maybe late last year. Um, all around, I guess, the idea of impact, which is kind of aligned to purpose, but slightly different. So, yeah, maybe just give everyone a bit of a clue as to what you're up to and, and who you're who you're from. <laughs> sure. Um, so, I am obsessed with the idea that uh, by understanding impact or the what happens when you do something and the difference you can create in people's lives, uh, when you can understand that better, you can do good nice. better. Um, and what that means is I run two organisations. Uh, so Impact Lab uh, produces a uh, social return on investment and insight into the good you create in people's lives through the philanthropic dollars that are invested in New Zealand. Um, across their lives, across the dimensions of their lives. Uh, it's a piece of software uh, and a report that's so very quantitative in nature. Um, and then the other organisation that I head up is an organisation called Frank Advice, and that helps you do good better by bespoke management consultancy around how do you, how do you embed evidence in your everyday decision-making. Very cool. And who are you mainly working with for that kind of stuff? Um, so with Impact Lab, we uh, have two lots of clients. Uh, we work really closely with um, not-for-profits and charities, and we help them articulate their value. Uh, so when you invest in an education program for uh, at-risk young people in South Auckland, yep. uh, in a particular geography, what does that mean for their lifetime earnings, health, tax, uh, corrections um, benefit experience uh, and then we um, put that through a process where we combine it with uh, information on how effective they can be and some service delivery information and it calculates a social return on investment number uh, which they can then use with their funders mm -hmm. one so the funders can say um, for every dollar invested in us we create five dollars of good for New Zealand nice so it's a nice, easy sell. Um, and we've got some great clients who are working with there. So this week I was running a workshop uh, with Kids Care, mm -hmm. who are a charity that um, supply lunches. They supply um, female hygiene products. They supply shoes and raincoats to schools all over, the, all over New Zealand um, in high-needs communities. Um, and we ran our onboarding workshop for them. So that's about really understanding what they do. Yep. Uh, I then went to see, see um, a program that works in also in um, underserved communities and delivers music programs. So it was the New Zealand Opera, and they were w workshopping with a uh, school of um, 
with a school and there's all these young men singing opera with the kids and just it was just the most spine mm. experience and we start to say right what change are you creating in those kids lives and what does that mean for their future experience um so we've t- so it's a long way of saying we've got two sets of clients one are uh, philanthropists who want to create a world where you know the impact that your philanthropic dollar is having so you can increase the value of that impact mm-hmm. Uh, and the second group is the charities that we work with who also want to know the good that they are doing, but mainly so that they can improve their service offering. Wow, super cool. Because um, yeah. I guess New Zealand and Australia, we're always competing to be the biggest and bestest of the most. Um, and the one stat that I seem to feel, well, uh, that we seem to jockey with them for is the most number of charities per capita. Um, yes, we have one for every 117 New Zealanders. Which is, which is neat in many ways because it's, aren't we a nice bunch of people? You know, um, we want to try and help do more good. But equally, yeah. equally, I suppose the flip side is why do we need so many charities? Uh, <laughs> because clearly it means people are trying to do some good where they perceive that there is some not so good happening. Um, so I think there's, um, there's some tax structures yep. that support people um, creating their own foundations and their own charities rather than partnering with an existing um, charity. Uh, but there's also this lack of what I think about as being philanthropic infrastructure. Mm. So how would you know how to strategically partner in the NGO charity space at the moment? Because you've got no comparable accessible language mm for performance and improvement. Uh, And I mean that in a very positive way. So who most needs our support (laughs) to improve education? Where will our dollar go furthest in terms of if we wish to work in Wellington? You you can't have those discussions in partnership between funders because that currency and that uh, philanthropic infrastructure doesn't exist Mm. And so that's what we're creating. Love it. Because I think, I mean, and, and I say this from someone who has experience of working in the not-for-profit sector or um, Kilmarnock, as we used to call it, the not-for-loss, um, trying to change the mindset yeah. of, you know. Let's... Or for purpose. Exactly. <laughs> for, for purpose. Let's, yeah. let's, exactly. Let's make some impact. Um, it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people trying to do good, um, but helping to zero in on, you know, what is the most effective measure of doing that good and, yeah, who is doing it in the best way. I think that's uh, that's the conversation that I feel that the not-for-profit sector needs to have in New Zealand. And what are your thoughts around that? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, my experience at Impact Lab has been going a year. There is no shortage of NGOs who want to understand their good so they can do good better. Mm. Um, that what our challenge is at the moment is seeking the funding for them to be able to um, access our product and understand what that good is mm. so they can improve. So um, I think, there, well, worldwide there's a lack of a standard uh, benchmark yes. about what do you mean by impact uh, and how, how do you describe it in ways that are compar- fair comparable Mm. and actionable um and when you can do those three things then then you then you can start to improve Mm. you know it moves it on from opinion because (laughs) you know like you're right about the number of charities new zealanders are hugely generous and they they want to make the world better you know and so it's about how do you create a a platform that lets them do that Mm. in the most impactful way totally it's interesting that you sort of talk about, you know, that the global benchmarking, because obviously in my business, I work with the B Corps framework, but that, mm-hmm. the, you know, currently is aimed only at for-profit enterprises. Um, yeah. And I know um, Michelle Sharp, um, who used to be at Kilmarnock now, uh, Vodafone, you know, we, we had some conversations around, you know, where, where we get into this, the starting line, I guess, of corporate having to be better at recognising its level of purpose and impact, but charities having to level up and become maybe a bit more corporate in terms of how they report and, um, you know, how they're utilising their resources. So, yeah, what do you reckon to that? Um, what do I reckon to that? So I, we're going through the B Corp process at the moment. Woohoo! Uh, device, yep. Um, it's quite involved. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I guess what I would say to that is... Uh, the tools that are needed for two things, even in the corporate sector, the impact frameworks that are available at the moment don't let you compare performance or impact between different investments, different charitable investments. Mm. 
so we solve that problem. Uh, and that is the same for the NGOs. And so our work with NGOs and charities is we've thought very, very hard about how do you create a tool that's accessible so that the burden on the uh, NGO is low. Yes. So with the, the big data, uh, publicly available economic data sources in New Zealand, we use the best of the impact evaluation, um, so I call that our wisdom bank, you know, we go to Stanford, we go to Oxford, around the world and source the best of the information. Um, and that's the theory, and we combine that with the practice. Who are who are is this organisation working for? What is for what outcome and how much does it cost them? Nice. So we down the amount of information that we need to a really uh, succinct and uh, achievable amount of information for the NGO to collect. Um, I guess the other way we think about it is that we're impact estimators, we're not evaluators. Right. That is uh, how I think about impact is that you can, based on what we know now, you can estimate future good achieved. Mm. And that's something we haven't been able to do before. We've either had to wait for an impact evaluation um, or we've had, only had a narrative. You know, And the narrative is great, stories about change and change and seeing impact. You know, they, they're just, go, it's just spine tingling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? You need to decide where to put it. Yes. To help with that. Yeah. So what, um, what got you into this kind of work? Um, so I'm a recovering public servant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm two years out of government. Uh, I spent my life uh, with this view that um, we, in government, we were funding organisations and communities with no um, way of linking that to need, no way to link that to need, and no way to link that to impact. Mm. So, um, so I used to walk around with a graph that basically had a um, an increasing line for need and a straight line for funding. You know, so how do we solve this problem? Mm. And as the big data sources have come on stream in New Zealand and as the cost of technology has fallen, it's provided me with a methodology for cracking that problem. Um, so I, I um, think about myself, I try to be the nerd, <laughs> but <laughs> my children will only look to be the nerd herder. Nice. So I've spent my life kind of looking for what's the answer to this problem, you know, which is how do we do good better? So I'm really motivated uh, to use kind of the back office or um, intellectual or, you know, the skills that I've got and that we have as an organisation to really further the work of the people on the front line. You know, so because when, when you work with a charity, so, uh, for example, we work with Pillars who work with the yep. you know, they exist to uh, support children who have been through the genetic event of their um, parents, going, one of their parents going to prison. You know, they are not in it to quantify impact. They're in it no. to want to work with those children, you know? And that's, mm. and what we can do is to support them to do the best of the activity that they do every day. And what we've found in New Zealand is that they're being asked to report on their impact and the burden of reporting on impact has fallen to those on the front line. Yep. Uh, when, in fact, the information that you need to understand impact and compare impact sits with the funder. Yes. So, so <clears throat> put the onus on them to create a, a framework that you can work with rather than each individual. Because I guess that's always the risk, isn't it? Each individual charity is in reporting in their own manner or in their own style, and then there's no consistency. So you can't compare apples with apples for um, actual impact. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it creates a burden on the on the charity. Yep. Um, incre increase the the funders or the investors' level of confidence, uh, or or give on what's happening, or give any indication about what kinds of improvement they should be asking for. Yep. You know, and another really lovely thing about what we learned with pillars um, was that they so they work with the children of prisoners. They've often been. Uh, seen as keeping uh, children who otherwise would go to prison out of trouble. Mm. 
of worthies um, that are hard of worthies, you know? Mm. And the they are told is that they're actually at least as much of the good they create is, is helping those children succeed in education. You know, so not only are they keeping kids out of trouble, they're creating better lives. Nice. Yeah, and that's just such a remarkable like, thing for their story. Mm. <laughs> also for how New Zealand sees that charity. Yep. So Just quick. Oh. How do I do this work? I feel like, yeah, that this is a contribution that we, I can make and we can make through the work that I do, that we do together um, to really help lift the level of philanthropy in New Zealand and what's achieved through that philanthropic dollar. Nice. No, that, I mean, that's all super cool and... Yeah, it, it's. I just love. I love the idea of do good better. It just you, you sum it up so well um, in in that expression. Um, so what? What? I mean, beyond the the roles that you did, you know, your your recovering government uh, phase. Um, <laughs> have you kind of always been interested in doing good better, or was it something that came to you later in life? Uh, no, I've always had a really strong sense of fairness, mm-hmm. um, and. And kind of a, and being a bit ambitious, I guess, mm-hmm. with that sense of fairness and creating a a, a world that's um, better to, and yep. through what I do. Um, I guess I really believe that. Um, so knowledge and skills and um, the kind of work we do is abundant. So the more we do it together and the more we have a shared view, uh, the more we create. So when I know something on my own, how well. Uh, Charity um, charity achieves for the people that it works with. That's one thing. If you and I know it together, mm. we can do more with that knowledge than I can do on my own. Yep. Um, and what, so what I do now brings together those two things. Uh, and I, and the other thing, um, have I always been interested in this? The answer is absolutely yes. It's taken different forms throughout yep. my life. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting, and and I think um, you know that I'd say I'd say that you have a very high level of purpose, and, and I guess my definition of that is this sense of knowing um, and connecting to how you're contributing to something bigger than you for shared benefit. Um, yeah. And it's, I guess this is what I'm trying to unpack partly through this podcast. Another work I do is, you know, how come some people seem to have it? Um, and it's interesting. There's, you know, there's yourself um, um, and particularly Michelle from Kilmarnock. It's like, it just seems to have been, it's in your DNA. Yeah. Um, whereas others um, like Andy, who I've interviewed on here, you know, he, he went through a process and I spoke to another gentleman, uh, not for the podcast, but I'm hoping he's going to say yes. Um, he had a very similar experience to me where he was in uh, Sri Lanka when they had the tsunami um, right. and for me it was the earthquakes in canterbury that kind of led toward this kind of purpose awakening yeah. so it's just it's it's interesting how some people just seem to have it or or i guess haven't you, you clearly had great parents and great schooling where they didn't beat this out of you <laughs> well, you know i think about that quite often actually so um so i went to a private girls school you know it's highly mm-hmm. privileged which is a trendy thing to talk about these days um, but i've always felt strongly that we should use the privilege that we've got in service of new just in service of ourselves. Yep. Um, and that all of the work that I've done, so that's why I went into into the public service, you know, yep. rather than going to be a lawyer or a doctor. Mm. And it's not, well, it's not that lawyers and doctors don't do that. They do it in a different <laughs> way. <actually. laughs> um, but I could have gone into being a lawyer or a doctor and I went yep. into the public service. Yeah. Um, and I, so maybe that's also a scale thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, yep. when you set, the big frameworks, if that's done well, uh, you can really help. Totally. Uh, You've got got big levers at a a higher level. Mm. That's kind of an obsession at the moment. Like, How Mm. do we do this, use the skills that we've all got to do this quickly because, you know, there's no time to lose. Yep. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have – yeah, I think I feel very – fulfills that the work that I'm doing at the moment has such strong purpose and connects mm. to who I really am um, because I do big hours often, you know, yep. a lot of travel and a lot of uh, time and a lot of intellect, intellectual effort as well because we're creating this new thing. 
um, a measurement framework for how you do good better. <laughs> yep. Um, and if it wasn't strongly connected to filling my soul, then it would be exhausting. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's that you've summed it up so well. That that is the power of purpose. Um, like I'm, I, I used the example in a in a workshop the other night. I sort of got people in the room to put their put their right arm up and um, kind of make a fist with their fingers and then release the fist. You know, in sort of like a quick motion, like as if you're sort of flashing a light, you know, type symbol with your hand. Yeah. And I sort of see how long would you all do that for until you got bored? And most people were like probably a minute. And I was like, yeah, it's probably reasonable. But I said, you know, what, what if by doing that hypothetically was running the oxygen supply to the neonatal unit at the local hospital? <laughs> you know, would you maybe do it for a bit longer than that? And it's like, well, yeah, of course I would. It's like, right, well, there you go. That's that's kind of purpose. Like if you can connect the thing that you're doing to a, an outcome for someone else that is beneficial to them and is good for you, yeah. then that's purpose. And yeah, right. it's it's such a uh, I just feel it's such an untapped resource uh globally yeah. in general but but yeah what I don't know what do you think about New Zealand do you think I, I think as Kiwis we have like you say it's innate like a sense of fairness and you know everyone having a fair go but by by default I'd argue by the number of charities that we have that are you know discounting ones which have been set up for you know tax purposes perhaps but the, the number of genuine charities that are trying to fix people on a, at a very small level would suggest that we may be lacking a sense of purpose in New Zealand what do you reckon to that um can you explain a little bit tell me a little bit more about that well I just think um we have so many charities so clearly yeah. there are so many people that are identifying a need where they want to try and help either a very small group of people because it's a, it's a community-based charity that, you know, might be looking for looking at a very small community piece of action, or it's a national charity like kids can or Ronald McDonald house or so on and so forth. And I just look at the scale of charity in New Zealand and, and the fact that there are so many, which to me indicates that they're picking up the pieces from other parts of society. Or so from other parts of society don't have purpose. Cause I would say that, that one interpretation of all of those charities is that many New Zealanders uh, choose to follow their purpose, yep. which is to serve others, uh, rather than go through a corporate or um, other or business route mm. to success. Yep. Um, I do think there is need in New Zealand that is badly understood and badly serviced, and I do think there is a um, a misery industry. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, yep. in my darker moments, <laughs> that there are a lot of people who make money from from keeping misery alive. Yep. Um, and that's so. My frame for that is that all of the data that I've looked at over the last five, six, ten years, uh, which is the New, a New Zealand level data um, view, so fifty five billion dollars that we've got matched to individuals in New Zealand. Wow. Uh, we don't know who they are, but we know mm. how much government spends on them. Yep. Um, and this information is in the public domain, so other people can go and have a look at it if they like. Mm. Um, and what that shows is that spending on most of New Zealanders or need of most of New Zealanders is the same. So for 85% of us, our need is about the same. But mm. for 15% of it, it looks like a hockey stick. If you're yes. in a graph, that's a hockey stick rather than a, a straight line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that fifty that half of the money that's invested in New Zealanders uh, in the social sector is spent on fifteen percent of the population. Wow! You know, and that means we're not doing good enough. Quite yes. Quickly. Um. So how do we crack that? Because mm. for that fifteen, like if you think about it in a positive sense, you know, you would acknowledge putting aside his personal behaviour that. Tiger Woods is easily the best golfer that we've seen in more yep. than a generation, right? Mm -hmm. And that the next golfer below him is significantly not as good as him yes. at golf. Yep. Right? And the next group below the, the, them are yep. not very, uh, very, very good, but not nearly as good as him. Yep. You know? And the rest of us are just rubbish golfers. <laughs> right? Particularly me. I do not get me on a golf course yet. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> if, if you think about that in reverse, where the needs of a few are so different to the yep. next group and that most of us are just the same. Um, what does that do to your worldview and how you resource mm. uh, supporting those needs of a few? 
Yep. You know, because it's not a marginal improvement that will get you there. It's a hundred one percent change. It's a drastic improvement. Mm. Yeah. So, sorry. sorry. There you go. Um, it's a drastic improvement, and it's a very individualized, uh, nuanced support. Mm. So, you, so when you think about sorry, when you think of that philanthropy and purpose, you link uh, what you do with the value that it creates, not just the cost. Yes, yes, which I guess is yeah maybe the the old older sort of business way of looking at so you know what's the what's yeah kind of yeah what's the cost but what's the return on investment or what's yeah. the true. Um, return and yeah to that's be honest we haven't had that data before right so now we've got these new tools, yeah yeah then we should be using them to to ch- using the empirical insight that they generate to make the front line to change the f- support we give the front line mm. that's super cool i think um i love it well i don't love it but what you said about you know that misery industry i, I do feel that that is there is there is a high risk of codependent relationships being built between charities and the people that they're serving in the it's like you say i need you to still be um you know kind of um needing help so that i can provide you help so that i can feel satisfied yeah um, and then you can add on in the philanthropists who just want to feel good from to get giving those to giving to those charities and yeah. help the people you know and so you get this virtual circle of feeling yes which is important yeah. But you need to underpin that with does this work? Exactly that. And like, yeah, like you say, if you're going to put resources towards solving something, let's actually solve it. Yeah. Um, so on, I've got a couple of questions brewing for you. Um, one of the, so one of them based on the research that you're doing, like what, with, with that 15% that need the most help, like is, is there, I, I appreciate like it's individualized, but, but is there a general area of silver bulletness? Like, is it, lack of um how you know good housing or lack of education or lack of like is there one overarching area that you know kind of people listening if you're in new zealand could go okay look at that that's an area that actually i have got some you know uh, skills or some resources and i could maybe get in contact with emily and and or, or some other groups and actually try and fix this stuff um so i can't answer that definitively yet so, because we're going through the process of creating impact values or outcome yep. values. So, what happens when you change someone's life? What's their their lived ex- in terms of their lived experience? What's mm. the difference when they're educated and when they're not? When they're out of jail, when they're not? When they're well housed, yep. when they're not. we're just creating those values. So we get it. We've got an impact bank, and it's pretty successful. Um, so, I guess we've been able to quant. What I would say at the moment, initially, is that. Uh, Interventions that work with the completeness of somebody's life, so they work with people. They don't work in. They don't work in a service line. So they're not about mm. education. They're about the community that they're serving, uh, and they work across the areas of challenge in that person's life. Yep. Those are the ones that have the biggest impact. Right. So, um, because if you solve the problems in someone's life across their health, education, you know, debt questions. Mm and you help them move into better employment, that creates a virtuous cycle of yep. uh, more tax paid, less child support, less time in jail, less time on the benefit, and all of those things accrue back to the fact that they've got a stable life where they can be mm. stably employed. Yeah. So it's not employment that's the answer. It's mm. the, the program that works with the complexity of someone's life. Yeah. Because yeah. we are pretty complex beasties at the best of times. Man, you know, AI, <laughs> AI isn't coming for the jobs that are, um, you know, a whole warehouse works mm. with robots until you introduce a human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they can't, they're, we're not predictable. And if yeah. you can't predict, yeah. you can't yeah. control for it. Yeah. <laughs> Although um, I was having a conversation, I was sat next to Liam Malone, the um, former para- Paralympian. Mm-hmm. And he's been, he'd spent the last like 12, 18 months in the world of AI. Um, and, you know, the, the person on the other side of him said, oh, you know, Salim, when, when, when are the robots coming to take our jobs? And he said, oh, well, you know, don't worry about it. It's all going to be military, you know, kind of um, equipment to begin with. And to which I replied, though, but that, that presumes that the robot would actually want our job. Um, because if these <laughs> robots are that smart, they'd actually look at it and go, do you know what? I'm going down the beach, mate, to go and hang out with my other robots. <laughs> that job sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we've got a long way to go. Um, yeah. And we will we'll also have more challenges to solve, right? So um, 
yeah, I guess I'm a strong optimist. So you're asking about purpose. Mm. Uh, I still have faith that the world can be better. Yep. And so I'm still curious about how can you do that. Mm. Uh, and so when new opportunities come around for me to behave differently in, all, in, in service of doing better, I grab them. Yep. You know? Um, and so I think curiosity is a really uh, key behavior that um, that we should keep as adults. And I feel sad that not so many adults have that. Mm. Are still curious about the, how the world could be better? Yep. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, you know, my background is in sales and, you know, as, as a, a relatively natural salesperson, curiosity, you know, curiosity and empathy are, are the two probably biggest skills that you need because you need to be yeah. genuinely curious about someone's life and how, how I might be able to help them. And, and my husband and says the, that the only yeah, yeah. salesmen are the ones who can take no most. 100%. Yeah, I'll def- <laughs> definitely throw that in as, as the triumvirate of yeah. uh, sales success. Um, yeah, just keep on going. Um, yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think as, typically as adults, you know, you're, you're put on a path and, and you don't kind of question that. And um, I think in general, uh, I mean, interesting, I, th- I feel I went to a similar type of school that you went to, um, but in the UK and, and very much you you were you were kind of taught not to question too much there was kind of like a barrier of of the amount you were allowed to question there were some things that were just kind of taken for granted that you would accept um <laughs> and i look back on that and i think what wider um you know looking at the wider society yeah it's um but i guess partly i feel we're all just so busy trying to survive um yeah i've, I've done some digging there's a really cool guy uh dr tim morgan Mm-hmm. And he runs a blog called Surplus Energy Economics. Oh. I think I might have mentioned it, but you, do you read him? No, but I will. Uh, he, he, yeah, his stuff's really cool. And yeah. what, what he's basically saying is in most Western countries, life is harder for everyone. Like the, yeah. When you look at your, your actual take-home salary compared to what your parents were taking home, it is it is harder to stay ahead, and you know I look at that anecdotally amongst you know sort of our peer group where most most families both parents are working, whereas when I grew up, certainly in, in our kind of socioeconomic group, most of the mums were stay at home mums, and you just kind of go different ways. Of, that's why we do need different ways of doing good better, though, Tim. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. totally, yeah. But I think that that's maybe one reason why people lack that time you know just lacking the time for curiosity and that time just to connect with someone who's maybe not as fortunate as them and work out you know well, how can i help you you know everyone's mm-hmm. kind of so busy and, and i guess i'd argue you throw that on the back of a good dose of uh neoliberal economics and and uh you know the whole it's all about the individual look after yourself where you go um and that kind of dissolution of, of community and, and kind of looking out for everyone as much um, i kind of so feel I like totally there's some stuff there that. i think there's um Definitely something in the collective people people that I've met that I've most connected with in this work, and I take a very technocratic, you know, you can hear it in my language, uh, economic perspective on measuring good, measuring impact. Um, but the ones I've connected with most are those who have a collective view of society. Mm. Uh, so, so I talk about it as being, you know, if you understand an organisation's impact and they're not performing very well, you could vote them off the island. Mm. Right, which is not yep. what I'm ad- advocating for at all. But you can also, uh, if you take a collective view of society, your role is to support them to belong, yes. to get back into the tribe. Yeah, yeah. You know, because there's because mm. you are a collective and you are responsible yeah, yeah. for the collective. And I yep. think, um, I mean, that's what I how I talk about this with my children. Uh, you know, how do we? Why you do? Why do you do what you do, Mum? You know, mm. I do it because because we are no man is an island yep I, that was when i was just about to drop in but you beat yeah. me to it yeah but i think that that tribal example is one that i i'm increasingly using like if if you imagine us being a tribe and and this is our little you know piece of land that we're sitting on and we've all got our roles and responsibilities to ensure that we all do better together than if we were trying to survive on our own um if one of you is constantly coming in and kicking over the, the fire um, and throwing the food away, you know, at some point you have to have a conversation and go, hey, Emily, look, you know, we, we appreciate you helping us here, but could you stop kicking the fire out and, thro- and throwing the food away? Because, you know, we kind of need that. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. That's where I see, like, on the corporate stage, I think there are lots of corporates who are, are you know, they've lost their way from the tribe and, and they're kind yeah. of going out doing what they want to do. And, 
this all this stuff you know the not-for-profit impact measurement b corporation all of this is trying to i guess hey you know hey everyone come on let's just have a can we have a quick chat because you know what you're doing over there is not quite conducive to us us all surviving on this planet together that's right <laughs> together yeah. yeah we all so want to do need, this yeah yeah you need to be um you're not not just sustainable but regenerative you know is another Bingo. way to think about it yep um and then I know, someone was telling me the other day that um the chinese premier says win 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 <laughs> you know right the, the capital wins the people win and those that you need to work with win <laughs> yeah the triple win um, love it uh, yeah me mm. too and i was surprised that um you know with the chinese background and you know the way the society's kind of moved in the last generation mm. that that was a piece of wisdom that i'm appreciating <laughs> nice yeah but i think um yeah, there's. Oh, what was I going to say about that? There was. Um, oh, I've lost my train of thought. It was kind of around that the tribalization, but no, it's gone. I'm sure it'll come back to me. Um, I guess the other thing I'd like to say about your um, is it Tim Morgan? Yes. Um, I know, so we'll go and have a look at him. That um, I think about how I manage my teams as uh, managing for their discretionary energy. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about purpose. If you can give people as much of the thing they are good at to do yes. linked to a clear mission for an organization, mm-hmm. or a team, uh, then you really will get the best out of those people. You know, they'll be happy, you'll be happy, and the business will thrive. Exactly you know? that. Yep. So there's opportunity for kind of the for-purpose sector to, in the corporate sector, you know, you can have like both Impact Lab and Frank are businesses. We're limited liability companies. Yep. Um, we're not charities, which some mm. have suggested we should be. Mm. Uh, but, you know, to thrive, you need all three of those things. Yes. Um, and I, I, I think it works for both of the businesses that I run Yep. as well. To, mm. to, to um, ability to, to manage for, for their uh, discretionary energy or, the, yep. you know, yeah yeah i think that's the thing um it's you know that purpose that there are so there are so many benefits to purpose and um, i'll put links to my website where i kind of outline them um but yeah get, uh, aligning the individual with the organization with something bigger than the organization that that's kind of the key to purpose but i guess yeah in 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 the general in the wider corporate world i guess it's 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 that what is that contribution that we're actually making. So I think sometimes that has been lost sight of or the contribution has just come back to, well, we're making as much money as we can for the shareholders. Yeah. Um, and by doing that, yeah, you're creating some outcomes that benefit some people, but not the white, which is, which is part of the reason why B Corps are called benefit corporations. Cause it's, you know, how do you, how are you benefiting the wider society? But I, was, I remembered my train of thought now it was regeneration, the regenerative um, organization. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's, it's, um, there's, I'll put a link to this as well. They, they are, I believe, they're a B Corp in Mexico that does kind of impact investment, um, right. and they talk on their website. They have this beautiful model where they talk about, you know, some businesses are still. Um, well, they talk about some businesses being destructive. So, like an arms dealer is is a destructive business. Like there is no there can be no positive really to, to anything that they're doing. Although I suppose you could make some arguments that, well, you know, in 1939, we kind of had to step up and, and defeat Nazism. But <laughs> yeah. Semantics aside. Um, but then they talk about extractive being sort of the, the sort of the next less shit basically. Um, yeah. So where you're, you're kind of extracting from the planet, but you're making something out of it. And then they kind of swing down into CSR where you, you know, you still might be creating tremendous, um, you know badness through your business but hey you're 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 offsetting your carbon um and then on the other side they sort of start swinging through to like b corporation where you're at least measuring and and really having a good good idea of what contribution you're making at at what expense but the the top layer is that regenerative and and i totally agree it's like if if every business is, is not aiming to be regenerative at some point it's a net negative world that we live in and that hmm. is unsustainable <laughs> that's right yeah and one of the strongest indicators of what we value is capital yep right so one of the, the biggest sectors that we've got in order to be more purposeful and more impactful is through the corporate sector 
who have access to so much of that capital. Exactly that. And and resources as well. You look at, you know, a company with maybe a thousand or five thousand employees has got the human I, I kind of hate the word human capital. Um, no, I was meaning cash actually, like yeah. dollars. <laughs> but I mean but that's a no, but I mean they have dollars, they have equipment, they have resources, they have buildings, they have so much and um, there's a, a really cool TED talk by a guy called Rick Warren. And again, he, he kind of really simplifies the idea of purpose. He says, you know, and, and I guess this is alluding to what, what you said earlier on, you know, you, you had a privileged background, you have some skills, you have, you know, you're an articulate um, young lady who, who knows some stuff. I could choose to I'll use that. The, um, answer to life, the universe and everything this year. Yeah, well, there we go. <laughs> Boom. Just send it through. Yeah. <laughs> Statistically proven through your framework. Um, no, you know, through, through the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Exactly. I have to put, yeah, put a link to that um, for, the, for the young people who don't know that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you could have chosen, like I say, you could have chosen the path of, you know, say corporate lawyer where, yeah, you're making some contribution, but fundamentally it would be about maximizing the revenue um, for an organization. And that's what Rick Warren talks about. He says, you know, you, you have um, tools of influence at your disposal. It could be your skills. It could be your money. It could be physical things that you have. And just deploy them to make the world a better place. And mm-hmm. I think this, this, is, this is the irony. And the, I, I don't know, maybe it's um, sort of people like you and me who, who are of purpose. And, and I, I sort of say on purpose as a, as a kind of almost like a drug. Um, to us, it's so simple. <laughs> yeah. Like, why, why would you not just, you've got this skill. Like, why would you not just use it for good? Um, yeah. Yet there's others who it's not as easy to do that. And I think that, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to inspire yeah. people by talking to people like yourself. They say, wow, yeah, you know, look, I, I could maybe do what Emily's doing or maybe I should give her a call because I've got some smarts that could help this. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. So, um, you know, You're recruiting? I, I do want people to help. Um, I particularly want um, philanthropists who want to understand philanthropy differently, help people understand philanthropy differently and um, help, uh, philanthropy understand people differently, so both yep. sides. Um, and I want um, NGOs who are interested in understanding their impact. And you know, our process is a three-month process, but so it's not very long. Um, but really engage with when we learn about our impact. What's our next action? Mm. You know. Um, so yeah, I mean, if people are interested, I'm absolutely happy to have a talk with people. Um, I think. So yeah, I think the other thing about this you know, these kind of opportunities to speak with you, Tim, thank you, uh, is that we get, we can set examples for people who might be thinking, I've got these skills, for good, and they've come through an environment where those professions uh, are the only examples they've had in their lives, you know? So I would say uh, my mum and dad would find it very difficult to articulate to their friends Mm. what I do. <laughs> I've, 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 I've given up trying to explain to my mum. I'm just like, yeah. But although there's something in that, because someone did say, like, if you can explain to your grandma or granddad what you do and they get it, then your marketing is on point. That's right. Yeah. So the but do it, good better is that for me. You know, yeah. know your worth. Know your yeah. worth. So you can do good better. Love it. <laughs> and then they go, and I use data, and I use maths, and yeah. I go into community and I work with them. And then it's like, it's like I design. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. I think you've you touched on something really interesting there. And like in the purpose coaching that I do with people, you know, w- one of the things I get them to do is, is to look at, um, you know, take some action and find a purpose project. So like you, you have some skills. So yeah. I'm doing, I've got a group I'm, I'm working with currently and a couple of them have got tech skills. And I was like, you know, okay, so you've, you've articulated an area of frustration in the world where you would like to make it better. Go and find some charities that are working in that space and just go and volunteer. Like, go and offer an hour a week. Like, I'll just come and do some databasing or let me just review some of your, you know, your, your tech stuff. Um, um, absolutely. So I, um, I had a sabbatical a few years ago and had this idea about nerds and needs. Love it. Yeah. yeah. However, it turns out someone else was already doing it. So uh, plug for Holly Norton and Co. at um, Collaborate. Yes, I've I've spoken to Holly yeah. uh, last year sometime. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like just start because um, uh, I think that you, I'm pretty sure it's Gandhi who had the the quote. You know, you find yourself by losing yourself in the service of others. So yeah, you know, take right. take yeah. take ta- 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 that skill you've got. Don't necessarily do what I did, which was quit the day job and then have a midlife crisis and then try and build a business <laughs> out of the ashes. But Thank I suppose you. there was something phoenix like of that that was quite cool in on many sort of metaphysical levels. Um, but in terms <laughs> of paying the mortgage, it's been a bit tight. 
um, you know but yeah go, go and test yourself go and apply the skills that you've got go and look for ways that you can deploy that and and test it and see if you get a fit you know that's definitely um a really key thing yep that's right um and i guess so we're, our journey is probably similar there right so mm-hmm. you know frank so frank advice is mine isn't a business it has to thrive yep it has to survive um and impact lab is also a business and it's so it's um you know a, it's skills and effort you know you're putting yep. your money where your mouth yeah, yep. is because you're putting yep. your day-to-day effort into this and you know my family's livelihood depends on me being safe yep. <laughs> yeah no pressure um, <laughs> now actually the question that i've had this week uh we talked about the fact i used to be a scuba diver so I used to teach oh, wow. people to scuba dive and I was really struck with the idea about when you scuba dive, you're so purposeful, right? Mm. So it is calm and quiet yep. and you can do nothing but scuba dive mm. because the consequence is that you die. Yes, if you, if if you, you stop. don't do that, <laughs> right? So you're entirely dependent on your buddy mm. and you're entirely dependent on being very present in the moment. And I think if we thought about our work in that same way, mm. How do I be entirely present in this, doing the things that we collectively need to stay alive? Yep. How would that change the decisions about what you do every day? Love Um, it. And so that's what I'm practicing at the moment. Love it. And I guess because, you know, one of the indicators of purpose is your ability to get into a state of flow, particularly in a a work environment. And and it's interesting because I'm also a scuba diver. Um, You'll know know that. Yeah, totally know what you're on about. And I think the other one that always um, I always remembered from uh, scuba diving training was um, take only pictures and leave only bubbles. So there is there is also that element of like, just don't stuff it up when you're under there, because it's like this pristine world that we haven't completely destroyed everywhere yet so <laughs> that's right yeah yep and often i mean i did a lot of my scuba diving in central america you know it's usually with local people yes you know, locally owned businesses and you get a real sense of you know how what all of that feels like yeah Huh. So, so maybe there's a, a new slogan, scuba and scuba to save the world or something. Maybe you should look in to see a free scuba diving training for humanity. With, I mean, it's, it's, you know, because I think, I mean, another thing that I get people to do is like an empathy walk. Go and go and walk with someone that you haven't, that you wouldn't ordinar- ordinarily connect with and just see the world from a different perspective. And I kind of feel that, that diving gives you that. You're literally, you're going That's into right. a different world. And, and like you say, you're typically doing it away from home where you're interacting with someone else in a different community who typically cares about their biodiversity, which is why they want to show it to you and, and give you that experience. Yeah, that's There you right. go. Who knew yeah. uh, scuba diving could be so deep? That jokes are free. Um, <laughs> so w- one last question, because I know um, you've got to shoot away, but th- there's a tension that I have in my mind. There's, there's a part of me that goes – you know, we historically, we've known that this idea of service and do the right thing and, and be good and, and do good better is a massive human driver. And the humans that have lived that life are the humans that we recognize, like your Gandhis, your Martin Luther Kings. Um, yet we don't seem to ever get there. So if we did get there, if we, if, if you and I did our work to such an extent that you know, we've solved all the socioeconomic problems and every human in New Zealand is living a life fully on, of contribution and purpose. Would, I guess it's like, could we actually ever get that? Or is the human condition such that we would try and destroy it before we got there? <laughs> um, so I don't think the human condition is that we would necessarily destroy it, but I think um, uh, the world is a system. And so, yep. so my background's in geography. And so if you think about a beach... Mm. The beach will, after a storm, will always return to equilibrium. Yep. So in the end, the sea and the sand and everything else. Or if you take sand out of a beach to make the Wellington Beach pretty, which is what they do from Nelson, mm. um, the beach will return to that. The Wellington Beach will return to its normal sandless state. <laughs> um, mm. So, so I think we would just adjust our uh, parameters. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's it's a, one of the. Um, it's not a binary thing. Mm. We will never achieve perfection, but the point isn't to achieve perfection or to achieve perfect purpose. Yep. The, the point is to get in that flow, you know, mm. or in that state where that's where that's what brings us all together as humanity. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Like it. Very cool. 
Yeah, so one more thing I would say on that. So we know that the world is better, right? Mm. From 100, 200 years ago, yep. more people are educated, less yep. people are dying, yep. more children are surviving into adulthood, you know, in, in, more, yeah, in vast numbers, you know, mm. and we know the world is not yet good enough. Yep. So the combination of those things is why we will always – the striving to be more purposeful, yep. and, you know, the work that you do, coaching people to be more purposeful and finding those opportunities is just crucial. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, as well. Yep. I kind of tend to agree. I kind of feel like uh, we had this discussion, um, uh, part of the MBA program that I'm teaching at UC this week, someone kind of said, I, 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 my, my stake in the ground was purpose should be so big that you never achieve it. Like it should be such a big ideal that, it's going to always drive you forward and, and you should, you know, you're really ever unlikely to get there. And we had a bit of a discussion around that, but I, I and that I still stand by that. And I kind of feel that you've kind mm. of summed that up, you know, cause, cause you'll reach a, a new point And then from there, you will see other things that you did not even know existed. And the world um, and, and exactly right. that. And everything's changing around the you. So you. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I think purpose is perpetual yeah. um, and it's always going to be a need for it. And there yeah. we go. I agree. Well, well, look, um, we're coming up. I mean, we're a little bit short of an hour, but I know you have to go because you're a super busy person, and you know, saving the saving the planet is not easy. So you need to get to your next meeting. Um, but hey, look, really good to um, you know connect a bit deeper and learn a bit more about you and the amazing work you're doing. I'll obviously put a heap of links to your various organisations, and if you're happy for a LinkedIn link, um, I will uh, put that in the in the notes. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And thank you, um, Tim. Very yeah. interesting conversation. Can't wait to see. Can't wait to see you be another B Corps. So um, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> we're on we're on the way <laughs> yeah, awesome we are, we are um it was part of the sustainability trust and a living wage employer and we were finalists in the equal pay awards so we're certainly making strides in the right direction nice so you've done yeah, most of the but, groundwork but we're never done right <laughs> exactly there's always more to do always more. <laughs> hey, thank you so awesome. much that was great see ya cheers And that's a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for listening in to my podcast. As I say, I'd love to know where you are on your journey in pursuit of purpose. And if you've got any questions that you'd like me to try and answer for you or people you'd like me to interview on this podcast, please do let me know through a message or a comment. Also do connect with me on other social media platforms. You'll find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and on YouTube. For more information about me and what I offer through my business, Grow Good, you can also go find me at www dot growgood.co that's growgood.co if you want to get in contact with me my email is really easy tim at growgood.co i'd love to hear from you until next time go well and keep on pursuing your purpose